Welcome back to Sumo Podcast, a place for all the lost children out there trying to figure out what success in the 21st century even fucking means. For this series, we're getting on recent graduates who are killing it in their fields to offer up their experiences and insights, wisdom that you wouldn't come close to having access to in the classroom. Join us as we dive deep into what it's really like to work in the myriad of industries out there, from finance to marketing to tech, or even to starting your own business. And hopefully, you'll get just a little bit more clarity from this than we wish we had when we were schooling. So yeah, LFG! Okay, so welcome back. We are here with someone who shall remain anonymous, <laughs> uh, both in her name and her company. But trust me, if you were here, um, she's the full package, beauty, brains, everything. Uh, and very accomplished senior of mine. Yeah, so what do you want to be known as? <laughs> Jane? Okay, Jane. Um, so we're joined by Jane today, uh, repping sales and trading, uh, the sales part of it especially. Came from SMU, some investment clubs, some case competitions, stock pitching competitions, has some internships, working in fixed income and etc. And now she's working full-time for the past one and a half years in a sales and trading function. So yeah, Jane, could you just quick intro, something interesting? About myself? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I have been working in sales and trading for the last one and a half year in a vouch bracket. Mm. Uh, so I have previously interned there in my year three internship. So I was converted full time and joined uh, the graduate program. And so far, I've just only been on the rates and currencies team. So macro sales team. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, something interesting. Something interesting about yeah, myself. Just for fun. <laughs> Before we get to the soul draining part of finance. <laughs> I don't even know what's interesting about oh, myself. That's depressing. Yeah, it's depressing. Finance is depressing as a job, really. <laughs> it's a great start to the podcast. Um, okay, let's just jump into it then. <laughs> okay, um, so just right off the bat, could you just introduce us really quickly to sales and trading? Like, Imagine you're talking to a toddler. Right. How would you describe it? Right. Okay, I think if you just think about it like a marketplace that sells fruits, so traders will be the one that will be making the prices for these apples. So they can say that I'm going to sell this apple for like $5 and the other one for $10. And as salesperson, what you are supposed to do is to find buyer, like customers, who are willing to pay the price for the apple that the trader is making. So effectively, as a salesperson, you're kind of buying buyer and seller that both on the customer side as well as on the trader perspective. So you have to handle both stakeholders. Yeah. Okay, so you're kind of facilitating that transaction. Correct, yes. And trader, on the other hand, will be the one that holds kind of the inventory of like the apples. Mm. And they'll be the one that is like making up prices for these efforts. So basically market making in general. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I guess if you're going to contextualize that within what you do, how would you describe like a typical day at your workplace? Uh, for my day-to-day job? Yeah. Right. So for me, <laughs> every morning you will go in. That will be kind of a call, like a sales call with like trading and strategy that will start off your day. Because we work in Asia hours, but market development tends to be affected by what happened overnight in London and in New York. And that affects where market opens today out in Asia. So we always start the morning with like a call with trading and strategy and sales to update what happened overnight, what we saw yesterday, what clients were doing, discuss about some ideas, what clients are thinking. And after that, we'll jump right into things. We'll write out, like, send out daily commentaries where market levels are and 
pretty much when market hours open, so probably about like 8, 9 a.m. and then you will get be busy with like the execution of trades uh, until about maybe end of day, maybe like 4 or 5 p.m. then you wind down and you will start doing like end of day recap. So that's pretty much a normal day, how it goes. And the intensity of day really depends on whether there's like headlines that's happening. So for instance, if like there's FOMC meeting happening, mm. so maybe it get a little bit busier heading to the event. But if it's a non-eventful day, there's not much headline happening, it's usually quite quiet and probably can head back home a bit earlier. So yeah, so the intensity differs every day, but more or less there's always this kind of like things that you have to do out on a daily basis, mainly on trade execution. Then after that, of course, throughout the day, you provide like market color to your client, you push out trade ideas, and you check with your clients. Then sometimes after work, you will have to like maybe bring your client out for drinks or for dinner. Sometimes with traders, with strategies, with research, or just by yourself. Yeah, so this is just part of like servicing and salespeople that tends to come after market hours. Okay, so from what I'm getting, it's very dynamic. Mm. Um, every day you're just running, but because like the market's always changing, there's always new things coming up, so that kind of keeps it very fresh. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah, exactly. Like over here, I think like anything that's like more than one week or two weeks ago is considered dated news. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so things are really fast moving here, and information changes, right? Like, every time I look at, like, things that happened two, three weeks ago, it just felt like eternity because, like, so much things could have changed within, like, these two or three weeks with, like, new data that come out. The whole market sentiment can completely flip. So, it is quite important to keep abreast of what's happening and you have to keep up with, like, how fast-paced this whole industry is as well. Okay. So, I guess, like, just very simply, I mean, we'll get into this later probably, but based on that, what are some of the relevant skills that someone might want to have if they want to enter a line like this? Mm. I think the most important skills to be in markets is to be adaptable because there's always new information that is out there that needs to be processed. Things are constantly changing in in terms of like, not just in terms of like whatever is happening in markets, but on like, regulatory as well so like recently you know we used to be on like LIBOR kind of swap and now they are like scraping that all out they're changing that to like so far it's just like an OIS compounding kind of concept so there's a lot of changes that's happening on like regulation front that you need to adapt and get used to as well and at the same time you're always like talking to new people a lot of stakeholders that you have to manage um, there's a lot of different products so i think all in all there's just a lot of things that's constantly changing so if you're someone who's like changes and adapt well to these changes i think this would be quite a good fit in a sense uh and i think apart from that maybe an important skill set to have in like a sales role perhaps is definitely someone who's a little bit more uh proactive and someone who's, um, I wouldn't really say extrovert because me myself, I wouldn't call myself an extrovert to be honest. Like different salespeople have their own selling point, but I think overall you cannot be just be within your comfort zone. You have to be someone who's willing to step out your comfort zone because there's a lot of time as salesperson. It's not just about like you know having like fun and laughter with clients but the more difficult times where you need to have very difficult conversation with your clients when you guys have see disputes and when it comes to financial markets by disputes i'm literally talking about like millions of dollars at stakes right like you can be seeing different things they might insist on doing a trade that might cost you a million dollars of losses and these are difficult conversation to have because these are actual money and cash right so as a salesperson, I think there are times where you have to step out of your comfort zone and be able to deal with such difficult situations. So there's definitely some sort of EQ that is needed to be there. And not necessarily everyone is good at it, but if you want to be someone who's going to be a good salesperson, you must definitely make that effort to become that kind of person. 
So I talk about adaptable or being proactive as a salesperson. Um, okay, I've heard can handle pressure well. Oh, yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Too I think, easy. Yeah. Too easy for no, you. Living it's, in it for just, so long. Right? It's just so common that yeah, every day yeah. is so much pressure that you don't even think that there's a prerequisite to join. Not really prerequisite, but mm. the truth is that it's definitely stressful because mm. like... There are times you're always multitasking, at least in my job. Like in one minute, I'm like talking to three or four people at the same time, and then in my head, I have to mentally note down. I have to get back to this person. I have I've showed this prize. I've just gotten hit by this prize, and then like someone might be shouting at you over something. So there's a lot of things that's happening at one time, and every single transaction you're doing, like I said, is actual like hard money, right? And in finance, we always call a million dollar a buck. And, you know, it's like, that's just how tiny one million US dollar actually means to most people in this street, right? So, there's a lot of money at stake. So, definitely the pressure is there because, like, if you were to, like, make a mistake, it can bring significant monetary loss. So, yeah, I, I do think that this job is stressful, no matter as a sales or as trader. And the ability to handle stress, and not just handle stress, but able to perform under stress, I think that's very important. And that's something that a lot of people, like, I think a lot of juniors that join the floor, I think that might be something that they struggle with, to be very efficient with time, because everything market is really time sensitive. So to be fast and efficient and perform well in the stress, I think that's important as well. Yeah. Okay, very intense job, basically. Yes, it's intense during market hours. <laughs> yes. Okay, so um, I think that brings us to... um. It's a nice segue into this question. Uh, what's the difference between traders and sales? Because I both have to perform under pressure, right? Correct. But I'm going to guess that traders maybe need a bit less EQ. <laughs> Just a stereotype. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, okay, but what's, what, what, what would be like the main differences? I mean, traders at the end of the day, they are the market makers. So they are the ones that provide liquidity in the market. Uh, not necessarily like much less EQ, but... Obviously, they don't have to face a client, right? The only people they face is like us salespeople. So I do see some of them. I have a little bit of temple here and there, but you, you get used to it. Like I think a salesperson, you just got to know what are the antics of each trader and know how to like handle them, basically. That's your job. Yeah, but for traders, it's different because they have their own risk. So they have their P&L. So I think that is the stressful part that comes with a trading job because you market make that's part of your responsibility to provide liquidity to the market. But at the same time, you have to ensure that you have a positive PL as well to account for at the end of the day because that's what you're gonna get paid off by, right? But for sales, we don't have a PL per se. So what we get is basically our job is to bring client flows to our business so that when client has interest to do like a certain trade in rates or certain trade in FX, they will ask as the inquiry so being able to see the flow is what's essential as client providing information to trader is very important as well and i think that only comes when you know you're comfortable with a client their clients willing to share with you information and for sales people i think the job lies a lot beyond whatever is happening in markets there's a lot of servicing that's outside of work as well like we often bring them to mid research or we just bring them to service clients like just having drinks and dinners to catch up. So I would say that as a sales role, it's probably a lot more dynamic. You don't have your own risk book per se, you don't have a PL to account for, but you do have a lot of relationship and stakeholder to manage. So I think the expectations or like what makes a good sales may not necessarily make a good trader because the two jobs are really too different. And a lot of people I don't think you cannot you can you can look at a job as in like a trader is always smarter than a salesperson or a salesperson is like always dumb, you know that kind of stereotype. But I think it's a very different personality feed. Definitely I would think there's someone who enjoys taking risks, who are able to sleep even after seeing their PL like negative, like negative hundred million dollars or like ten million dollars a night, that kind of stuff. If you're able to take that kind of stress. Yeah, I think maybe like a trading role might suit you. 
But if you prefer to sleep at night at peace like me, <laughs> I personally think that being a social um, does let you be abreast of whatever is happening in markets, but at the same time, you don't have to worry about peer pressure. Yeah. So, great litmus test, sleep is important. So, I mean, you're at rates and currencies, right? Yeah. Uh, would you say that there are any major differences between the different desks? Yes. Uh, you mean like different asset classes? Yeah. Right. Uh, it's quite different actually because race and currencies is OTC market versus you look at that such as like equities is an exchange. So when it comes to something that's already traded on exchange, generally liquidity is there. So the whole the whole entire function of the desk is actually really different. So over there in equities, um, there are two types of salespeople. So one is called research sales and one is called uh, sales trader. So sales trader are the trader that actually execute. So they are effectively the one to find buyer and seller in the market and they mainly help to facilitate like log trades, like bigger trades and help them to execute the trade to the best of their ability with less market slippage basically. Meanwhile, research sales um, effectively, they are just going out to make clients, setting up meetings with research and other corporates because it's equity business. Like research sales, basically, uh, they mainly bring uh, clients out to meet research guys, equity research, as well as other setting up meetings with like, like probably like corporate CFO, etc. So they function more in terms of like a relationship management role rather than execution basis because execution will come under the sales trader purview so i think for equities as a business um because it's exchange so they operate under such model versus otc market when they talk about rates credit and fx so we have this thing called what you call voice sales and then you have traders so that's a bit more similar to what i told you earlier about on voice sales being the one like the salesperson that execute the trade. So we'll be facing our end client, which can be a hedge fund, it can be an asset manager. And then we will talk to the trader on the side. So the client will come and ask us for a quote. We go to the trader to get a price. And if that suits them, then they hit our price. And then we will execute the trade and we'll book the trade for them. So it's a little bit different structure in terms of how the trader function as well. Because in equities, it is exchange traded. So sales trader role is really to find buyer and seller. They cannot take on the position themselves. But for OTC markets, trader can actually put on position as they have their own risk book because uh, generally liquidity is not as good as equities because it's, not, it's an OTC market basically. So the traders has a little bit more risk appetite per se and they are able to take on positions. So I think that's the main difference between this this two broad branch, whether it's exchange or OTC market. And at the same time, I think the function as a salesperson is also a bit different because as a equity sales, you probably wouldn't need to know how to execute a trade. You just need to manage relationship and maybe set up meetings and value add your clients for... Uh, Equity sales, I think your main role ultimately is really to help to manage the client relationship versus for voice sales, a huge part of your job actually comes with execution and on top of that, you also have to do some sort of relationship management. So I think the skill set is a bit different and the expectation is also quite different as well. Yeah. Really in-depth for all the year ones out there. Uh, Investopedia is your friend <laughs> so yeah okay uh, I think there's a really good breakdown of like the basics we want to go a little bit more into your personal experiences right and you know, how you found it so far right so you interned at your current place twice yes I did how was it making the leap from intern to full-time right? yeah. and what you know, what, what surprised you the most after the transition um it's a huge leap because in finance institution, you cannot execute or you cannot do a lot of things because you're not licensed as an intern. But when you come back as a graduate, as a full-timer, you definitely have to take all the regulatory examination. 
but once you're licensed, <laughs> you are able to do a lot more stuff. So your responsibility and your job scope like vastly expanded. So I think the biggest difference is definitely like who you speak to, because previously when you intern. What matters is you're just speaking within your internal team, right? So like you're just supposed to help and back up your seniors in the team. So whatever who you're accountable to is just internal seniors. Each obviously is not as scary as facing someone who's like a hedge fund manager, you know. Like now that like I'm full time, uh, we will be facing this and clients directly. So if there's any issues or like they're unhappy about it, they will express to you directly. Each ethic is, I think it's very different. And it's probably something that they don't really teach you in school either. And I think the whole sense of responsibility is a lot greater as a full-timer for sure. Because the seniors will not always be around to help you. And you have to step up to certain occasions to manage this difficult situation. So, yeah, so I think the biggest difference is really like the sense of responsibility is massively greater once you're a full time because you will actually talk and face the client directly. You have like offer trading, you have your own PL risk, and not as though as intern each to be honest you're really just helping out for like all the admin stuff or like those uh BAUs you know like business as usual work which it doesn't really directly drive revenue for the firm so that doesn't have as much pressure on you yeah so as an intern you're very sheltered but nothing that you do really move the needle either yeah exactly to be honest obviously like interns are always helpful but like, as interns in markets, especially, there's really nothing much they can do because, like, without a license, it's really very, very limited. But, but that's okay because everyone's been there and everyone knows that, like, interns are not really here to help. Like, my senior told me before that, like, as intern, all you have to do is to be, like, a sponge. Just absorb as much as you can. And to be honest, at the internship assessment, you don't really care about how much you have actually contributed. I mean, obviously, you try to do whatever you're being asked to, but there's always a limit to how much you can contribute because you're not even client-facing. If you're not client-facing, you can't generate direct revenue. That's for sure. And what they're more concerned about is about your aptitude, your willingness to learn, and how much you have proved yourself to be capable of learning. Because internship is just like 10 weeks, right? So they would like to know like how well you understand this business, how how they can see your potential for being a full-timer. And I think that for me was what an intern was supposed to do, rather than just like, we don't expect them to be like straight out executing trade, talking to client, doing like, oh, what happened to FOMC, you know, that kind of stuff. But I think it's more about attitude and their willingness to learn that really matters a lot as intern yeah i presume that you don't need qualifications to buy coffee for the team as well <laughs> as an intern i think it depends on the desk not every desk expects you to buy coffee but no matter what always offer to buy coffee uh, okay, okay. so is that how you got your nah, okay okay so yeah how do you feel you've actually seen yourself grow in the past year and a half within this role. It's so stressful, it's so dynamic. I'm sure there's been a lot of stretching that's done to you. Right. Um, yeah, in what ways do you think that uh, that has kind of helped you in your personal journey? As in how I apply the growth in my work to my personal life? Or just in, uh, in general? Just general. Yeah, how have you grown in, in work, in life, whatever it is? To be really honest, I think you get so caught up with day-to-day, sometimes you are a bit at loss as to how much you have grown. So I like to take intervals, like at some point, look back at how much I have changed. So if I were to compare one year from now, maybe day to day the increment change, I wouldn't notice. But I definitely feel that one thing that really stuck me is how fast I, how I'm able to understand certain sort of like 
like research pieces or like econs pieces or just like just news article because I'm sure sometimes you guys try to read on like Financial Times or like Market Reps and stuff like that and they're always jargon that you don't understand and that's me at first as well right because like it just doesn't make sense finance just love jargons and there's a lot of unnecessary jargons to express simple terms <laughs> but <laughs> that's what the industry really likes to do they kind of like make themselves sound a lot smarter using this terminology <laughs> but once you get used to this like I think for me now I can look back and read this article in this and completely understand what they're driving at I can't say for sure I know everything in the world because learning is never ending but on most of the time I can at least understand or apprehend what they're driving at so for me I think that's in terms of growth that's where I see myself uh, stand in like one and a half year time and I think you also get a lot more comfortable with your day-to-day job, like responsibilities that the team will leave you with. So right now, my team can't all hit off desk and just leave me one junior on the desk. And you know, that's, that's, I mean, that might sound easy, but that actually means a lot of trust that they have in you because just a one junior who's manning the whole desk is a lot of responsibility when you have many big clients, but there's a level of trust that the team needs to have in you in order to leave you in this kind of situation, right? So for me, I think when I look back at myself in this one and a half year, I think learning curve is definitely steep, but if I look back at things that I used to not understand, but now I do relatively at ease, I think that's where I really know that I've grown in this one and a half years. And you also kind of like get more, not say chill, but I, I think sometimes I also learn how to not take it too hard on myself because in finance, like, I, I, there are definitely stereotypes like when trader will like throw the stuff at you, that kind of stuff. Okay, it doesn't really happen, but the truth is sometimes they do get quite angry, which I completely understand because it's a PNL estate, right? We're talking about money here, right? And obviously, people won't be happy if they lose money because of you, but no matter what, like, no matter if you understand or not, you still feel like shit when it happens to you, right? When you are, like, at the end of, like, absorbing all the anger, not just from trader, but from the client as well. And initially, I think I used to take it really hard because you're, not, you're just not used to it, right? Because when you grow up in school, how often, like, no, these teachers don't even school you, right? <laughs> they cannot just pamper you, that kind of stuff. Like, the whole cultural, teaching culture is kind of a bit different. So when you're in this reality and you are being scolded at it definitely didn't feel good at the start and gradually gradually you just learn to take less care about such comments because i think one thing that someone told me really well when i started this career is that work is work outside of work they're just human so i also learned to take it easier at work that like there can be unhappy stuff that's being said people can be sarcastic they can be mean at you but it's probably just because their PNL is at stake they're probably not in a happy mood but apart from that outside of that they're just normal humans and yeah we'll be fine yeah so I learned to not like I think take it a little bit easier on myself and not to be so affected by such things at work and I think that goes a really long way yeah like shit happens don't take it too personally correct correct and it always happens like people always make mistakes right yeah, yeah just own up to it and then like yeah you may get scolded but but that's just work you you learn from it and then you just moved on and I think the, the need to move on is so important because this place is so fast paced right like if you're always like I don't know like living in that like, oh, I made a mistake, I cannot get past it. Or like, oh, he screamed at me before, I cannot work with him anymore. But it just doesn't work that way in life, right? Like, yeah. you will have to work with the person at some point again. So I think the most important thing is learning to be mature in this situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, face each other professionally. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, just just move forward if things happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, great lead up to our next question, actually. <laughs> so, understandably, as you clearly demonstrated it's a fast-paced environment it's stressful there's a lot of bugs at stake um what's what are some like maybe most memorable moments you have okay not just like you know aggro or scolding maybe things like closing trees in the bathroom or i don't know being caught on the weekend <laughs> no I, I think i've been saying so many bad stuff that no, i need no, to no, say no, some no, good no, stuff no, to no, redeem no, it yeah, yeah. it could be good stuff as well 
Yeah, yeah, it could be like, you know, closing this amazing deal. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think close the tray in the bathroom. <laughs> okay, tell us about that. I mean, okay, I mean, you're on Bloomberg, right? And then like, oh, I think the thing about this job is that you can never leave Bloomberg. <laughs> it's like, no matter where I'm at, even if I go to bathroom for like one minute, I have to check my chest, that kind of stuff. Sorry, y'all can't see it, but I just died. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yes, go on. I think for me, what I really like about this job is that it is really intellectually stimulating. There's a lot of things to learn and there's always new things that happen that you you, you probably can't even know about it. Like, for instance, like when last year when you had that whole Russia and Ukraine war, it's like a geopolitical thing. It's, you probably don't know much about it, but it moves the market so significantly that everybody just come in and be like expert at it they'll be asking you questions oh why did it happen what do we have to watch out for and for me I think I like the part about a sales role because there isn't really like a fixed question or fixed market you look at like for traders they probably just focus on certain markets so this trader looks at dollar rates so they'll just be focusing on dollar rates but as salesperson you do everything you look at every single thing Maybe you have some sort of like specialization in a region, but if client asks you a very generic question, you're supposed to answer them, but you're supposed to find the answer anyway, right? So when Russia and Ukraine happen, people is gonna ask you like what's driving it, what to look out for. When Fed became so hawkish, people is gonna ask you what what else what else next, right? What data do they look out for? And it's just everything that's happening in the world. Like recently it was like DOJ, today we had like RBNZ. So there's always things that's changing. Uh, there's always things that I don't know about and I have to find out. And in the process of finding out, I'm always learning about something new. So I really like that part about the job because there's always something to learn. And this knowledge can be very random. It can be anything. So I just really like the fact that there's always a lot of learning that comes along with this job apart from just purely executing. And I think not just from the job itself, but the people that you're around with really matters a lot as well. Because booking an about bracket is that it's international. A lot of people come from different places. So in terms of cultural exchange, I think it was really interesting to see like how they think about things from their perspective. They will share about their experience back at home. And I don't think this I think it's a really like an experience that you can't really like put a price to it because working with people from different backgrounds just let you appreciate like things better like they'll ask me like oh so how does our cpf system work and then like you can go back and ask them like oh so you know like how does the education system like education system work there you know like what do people do yeah so i just really like that aspect of like being international not just within like the singapore office but you're always connected to people from overseas as well right so you can talk to people in japan office talk to people in australia office in china office and it's just nice because for instance when china was locked down and you don't really have a good picture of what's happening onshore because obviously newspaper are always showing one side of story but i can just speak to the onshore sales in china and ask her so how's the situation like is it as bad as how it sounds like how was like the supposed protest happening going through that kind of thing so i love the fact that uh working in a global bank give you that kind of network and Apart from that, you also work with people who are really intelligent and very, very knowledgeable. So they can be talking about what Redano said that day, about his book they read. And yeah, the topics can be completely random. But that exchange of information and that sharing is something that really makes the outside of work interesting. Like the whole workplace and whole environment to be very nice, uh, nurturing that sense and it's always pushing yourself to be a better person because you feel like, wow, they read so much and all I do is Netflix and at home. So, you know, it kind of push you to like, oh, maybe I should watch some useful stuff and be, be more useful in my life. But, but yeah, I think for me, these things that come with the work, um, I think pretty really pushed me going in this job. 
and I think that's also really something that I like. Obviously, when it comes to like, like you mentioned, when it comes to like closing a trade, there's definitely satisfaction. But because I'm in voice sales, so a lot of trades become closing trades like. A routine <laughs> so maybe I, I probably forgot the assignment the excitement that I used to get when I first closed something but I do get excitement for instance like if I chat with like hedge fund managers you know they are like so intelligent they are like maybe like 10-20 years older than me in this industry and here I am a one and a half year in the industry trying to tell them what to do but sometimes they actually listen to you and they talk to you it's just something that I really appreciate and times like this I really like my job because I feel that you know in this view that isn't really about like how long you're in this industry if you have a view you can justify it you can talk about it you can substantiate it people will listen to you so I think that's where it's really nice because it's really fair they don't care obviously you definitely respect them because they're very senior but they wouldn't shut you out because oh yeah new you know yeah junior i'm not going to listen to you i'm not going to talk to you like there are a lot of hedge fund managers who are so rich who are so intelligent but they don't just shut you out like that so i think that's what i like about here as well it's really very merit based so if you're good you work hard for it people's going to give you a chance to talk and you'll definitely be heard okay so really good exposure in terms of the people you meet the opportunities you get and I guess these are generally things that you wouldn't expect a kind of recent grad to be able to be going through. Right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I can't say for sure for how other industry mm. work, but I think for me, at least what I experience here, like obviously as junior, you have duties to do, but if you're good, I'm sure people will see, will recognize you for it. And yeah, and there isn't, people don't really like, ostracize you or not listen to you because you're a junior. So I think that's a really good environment for juniors to work hard and try to thrive, right? Okay. So okay, besides um, the traits that we mentioned earlier, what do you think are generally the similarities for people that thrive in this industry? Those that go for a long time, those that you know do very well. Right. I think passion is pretty important because finance industry can be quite training to some extent like i don't think markets is a real wait for everybody the hours can be intense the job can be really fast paced it can be really demanding so in order to go far in this industry i don't think they need to have certain sort of passion to stay in the industry and to put yourself like, I don't think passion is sufficient, right? Like, passion is essential because it pushes you to work harder. So, like, maybe after market hours, you got to put in even more hours on your end to, like, learn things that... Or do things that you can't focus at during your day-to-day work. And, of course, I think another important ingredient is definitely hard work. I think with passion and hard work, you'll go far. Not just in finance, but everywhere. Okay, so weekends, you can't be Netflixing, you gotta be... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're times. probably gonna, like, balance it, okay, right? Yeah. Because if you get burned out, it's another story to, to, to me, right? Yeah. Okay, but passion in general, in terms of maybe, like, macro, your desk, whatever it is, like, essentially. Yes, I think be passionate about macro, and... And at your role, I guess, because, you know, as salespeople, it's not just about being the best macro person, right? But it's also understanding your clients and then like doing what you want and you know like as sales it's not just about having the best idea but how does that idea translate or tailor that idea to your client right so i think that's an important aspect of a salesperson and yeah i think being able to put time outside of the day-to-day work to try to understand your client better and try to build up your market knowledge i think that's important yeah okay so, for you personally, right, taking a step back, trying to remember your fetus days in SMU, what inspired you to pursue a career in SMP, as well as in trading, over the other paths? <laughs> Just brutally honest, go for it. Okay, so it's kind of like elimination method. <laughs> Each, I have to say first that it might not be... 100% accurate because it's quite of like, I mean, I have not interned at other finance function, a part of sales and trading, but my elimination comes from stereotypes. 
<laughs> it may or may not be true. Sure, yeah. But investment banking because the hours are so long. <laughs> like I not done an IV internship, but I've done like a few a few case calls, and you know, I mean I can't do the hours. Like I mean I can do that for three days, right? Like you chong or you like mark for a case call, and then like you die for three days. But but you can sleep after that. But for IVs, like, forever, like, like a lot of people might be able to chong for an internship and then, like, do, like, just, like, I don't know, sprint for the 10 weeks, don't sleep at all, but you can rest after that. But when it comes to a full-time job, it's a career, right? Like, can I do that for one year, two years? Like, how, how long, right? So for me, I think that hours is a big turn-off. And, yeah, that's the main reason why I didn't pursue IB. And for... PB, I guess. Um, I don't think I was very interested in that line because I think my understanding is that PB is really like mainly two functions, like the RM and the investment side of thing. I wasn't really too interested in doing RM because my impression is that RM is a lot on like personal relationship. Um, I like markets where as a salesperson, you're kind of talking to clients more on like macro views. So you're chatting with clients more in terms about like what you know about markets uh, as compared to private banking because you're talking to high net worth individuals. You're not really talking to hedge fund managers, right? So obviously, like the way you bring across product is not really on the technical level. Probably have to bring to a certain level where they are able to apprehend best. So I don't think that was the kind of sales role that I want to start my career in. And in terms of investment function, that was something that I considered, but yeah, they just didn't go there. <laughs> no, but because you usually for graduate in private banking, they tend to hire more actively in RM side of thing rather than investment side as well. Because most people that go to investment function in private banking also tend to have a bit of buy side experience. So I think for me it was kind of like okay, maybe it's a bit hard to enter, and I didn't really try so. Yeah, maybe it might be a better job than where I am. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Then lastly, I just had two internship at sales and trading. Uh, I like how fast paced it was. I love how dynamic the job was. So just kept coming back. <laughs> so basically, you looked at the apex of finance and then eliminated the other two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was mainly this three that... Actually, I didn't really even think much about private banking. It was mainly between, like, investment banking and sales and trading. Right. And I always feel that, like, as year one, sort of... No one really told me what sales and trading was all about. Everybody would just be like, oh, IB, 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 IB. I was like, okay, interesting. But, like, then after that, some of my seniors happened to enter their sales and trading and started to share a bit about their experience. Then I realized the returns per hour is actually makes a lot more sense to be in sales and trading. Like no shade to the IB guys, their bonus is way better. Contingent that is a good dealing yeah. <laughs> but I think for me, I think it's just two types of personality, right? IB is really like it's a slower paced job, but you work longer hours. But in markets, it's like yeah, it's freaking intense. That 10, 11, 12 hours day on desk. But after that, I can just shut off and just do my own thing. It's, it's just what I like. I just want to get like my shit done and then I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Um, so speaking of which, yeah. So it's intense. Uh, it's fast paced. Uh, how do you balance, you know, work life essentially, right? Right. And I guess what keeps you going in such a fast paced environment? Like how do you wake up at what, 6 a.m. every day? Yeah, about there. Yeah. Do you ever wake up and just feel like, what the fuck? I, I, I think waking up at 6 a.m. is okay already, yeah. I think some people have to wake up earlier. But <laughs> it's like going back to school. <laughs> yeah, reverse aging. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's like going back to secondary school, like oh JC God. kind of hours. But okay, I think on the part of work-life balance, um, like I said, like... Market hours are not incredibly long. I think that they work about same hours as... Okay, no. We still work less hours than IB. But... <laughs> okay, maybe I'll go in about like 7, 7.30. I kind of be out by like at 7. So like 12 hours kind of job. But this 12 hours is just like bad intense. You don't get to lunch outside. You tap out lunch, eat your desk. But after that, you have dinner time to yourself. 
and you have weekend to yourself. And I think that's how I manage some sort of work-life balance. And in terms of what keeps me going, I think you just get used to it because uh, if you're not a boring person, I don't think this job is for you. <laughs> if you're not a boring person, yeah. Because you really have to get used to waking up early. I think that's really part of the job. Because before market opens, people tend to like to have like some sort of like overnight call or like what has happened. And you probably have to do readings or whatever happened overnight. So there's a lot of things to prepare before market opens and before things get busy. So that's why people come in early for market's job. But after that, you're really free. So give and take, I think it. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Uh, okay, so going back towards like um, the industry in general, uh, so what percent would you attribute to, I guess, sales or being a good salesperson versus being very technically sound if you want to thrive in SMT? That's a really tough question because... I think different salespeople have different unique selling point. Like I've seen salespeople they are like maybe like ninety percent sales and ten percent technical and they do well. And similarly there are people who are like ninety percent technical and ten percent sales and they still do decently well in their own space. And I think that really boils down to the fact that I think someone always tell me that as a salesperson you kind of attract your own group of client, right? Like if you're a really technical person, probably someone who's really technical, some clients who doesn't really like to go out to drink, just want to hear your view, they'll probably like you. But then if you're really salesy, probably can service some people who just like to go out and like have fun, you know. So there's really a lot. Like I think when I came to this job, I really realized that there are really a lot of different type of people out there. And you just can't be the one that feeds everyone. You just don't get along with everybody. There will be certain type of people that like you better than others. So, But if you ask my opinion, I think probably you need a little bit like 60-40. I think, okay, maybe for myself, I value technical more because I want myself to be someone who's a technical salesperson. But some people might think that if they are, sales, they are good salesmanship sort of, then yeah, maybe, yeah. But I don't think there's a fixed formula to it because ultimately, like the type of salesperson you are, we were kind of like, there isn't a right, I don't think there's a model answer when it comes to a salesperson. Everyone is just unique in their own way. And if you're able to strike that kind of balance between sales level as well as your technical level, you are able to have your own group of clients. I think that's that's what you know. Yeah. So basically how you make it work and how you play to your own strengths. Exactly, yeah. Okay. So for yourself, so there's a lot of staying up to date, there's a lot of making sure that you're in touch with whatever's happening. How do you do how sorry, how do you do it? And then how did you do it as a student special intern? Right, right. Uh, I think maybe back when I was intern, you just have to read a lot. Like, uh, you have, like, free subscription to, like, FT as SMU student. And those are so useful. <laughs> like, I think maybe, like, I can understand that students, sometimes it gets really, like, sian, right, to read all these news. Especially FT can be a little bit technical in terms of jargons and stuff like that. But like I said, I think the more you read it, you force yourself to read it every day. One day you will realize that, oh, I actually understand what they're talking about. Like, at first you'll probably be like, have to stop like every five words and be like, okay, what does this word mean? You have to Google. But, you know, like, the process of doing that is actually a process of learning. And when you're able to better understand and apprehend an article, I think that's when you kind of really grow. And I think that was, like, a student that was really a good way, really financial time. And I think having a group of friends who's in the industry kind of know what's happening helps as well like people who follow finance and you know keeping yourself up to date with each other I think that's helpful no matter when you're interning or you're preparing for internship because like this general news affairs will probably just come out during like interviews as well so having a circle of friends where you can share this information and share news inside with will be helpful and as a full-timer I think I read a lot as well I think reading 
reading is really important to keep abreast of what's happening because there's as I think once you start working you'll realize that you're not so fortunate to have professor that's there to teach you things right like you can ask people questions but they will not necessarily give you the answer that you want because they themselves may not know or they may not just they, ju- they may not just have the time for you they will be probably be too busy right because they have their own job to do and they don't get paid teaching you <laughs> so you have to learn a lot of stuff by yourself and finding the answer to the questions that you have. And to to do that is really through reading a lot. And of course, being shameless at asking people. <laughs> yeah, so I think those two are very important. Yeah. Okay, so reading a lot, making use of the free subscriptions that, yes. we, have, that we pay for. Of course. <laughs> uh, and then I guess putting yourself in the environment of just being very steeped into the finance culture, right? Whereby you're talking about it, you're sharing yes. people about it, you have people to ask about it, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I actually really like to paraphrase that last part. You don't necessarily have to be with finance friends, but just with a group of friends where you can share news update with. Because, like I say, a lot of things that affect financial market, it's not really just driven by like, oh, what Fed does, which is very finance, right? Like geopolitical tension, you know, like when like US and China are shooting down the balloons. Like, those are things that we also look at. And those news actually affect the financial market move as well, right? So, yeah, I think it can just really be anything out of the blue and just let you keep up to date as to what's happening. I think that's important. Yeah. Okay. So I think for the benefit of our poor hustling listeners, um, <laughs> what would you generally look for in an ideal intern? So again, okay, we've mentioned earlier on, you know, that, that appetite for learning, the aptitude, right. being willing to soak up. Um, is there anything else that you think would make somebody stand out? Maybe in the interviews or during the actual internship? Right. I mean, personally, I think every like soft skill is definitely important, like what I mentioned earlier. But probably what will make you stand out in an interview is definitely showing your awareness of what yourself you yourself is getting into. Like some of you may come from finance background, and some of you may not. But if you're going for a finance interview, you better know what you're applying for, right? And I think just to to do that is probably just by speaking to seniors who have done the internship before, who have been there before, to get a better understanding of what the job encompasses, as well as what the firm does. I think that that's important for every interview that you go to. And knowing, like, you know, at the end of the interview, they will be like, oh, any questions you have? And don't ever say, I don't have any questions. And you should try to always ask questions that's relevant to like the room you're applying to or like the probe you're applying to. Uh, so I think this kind of thing really differentiate interns because some interns they come in knowing what they are getting themselves into. I feel that they tend to be a bit like less lost during the internship. They tend to ask like questions in like the right way, that kind of stuff. So that kind of leaves certain sort of better impression on the desk. Of course, like, I mean, there's no stupid questions, but... The, but they are. Yeah, yeah and the rule is don't ever ask the same question twice because people will be like, well, <laughs> yeah, I just waste my time on the first question. Yeah, so soft skills, I think definitely people will look out a lot on that. I can understand for hard skills for people who don't try finance before or haven't had any finance internship, it can be really difficult. But those positions are also quite lucky, right? Because people probably don't expect that much. But what's important is for you to show your growth during the whole internship, right? Like, if you come in at, like, a 0% knowledge, are you getting out with, like, a 50%? Versus someone who come in with, like, maybe 40% knowledge but going out for 60%. Obviously, the one with no finance background and with that 50% knowledge is going to look a lot more impressive than someone who only gained, like, 20% sort of knowledge during his time interning here so... I don't think you should discount yourself because you don't have like background in finance. But really, during your internship period, make use of the time to talk to people. Learn as much as you can. Like, literally be a sponge. <laughs> absorb every single thing. And talk to a lot of people. I think network is so important. Like, at this point, after you exit from uni and come to workplace, you realise that 
one thing that really differentiate people is how biased their network is. And network brings you opportunities that you can never think of. So in other words, listen to this podcast. It will help prepare you <laughs> for your interviews. Okay, but cool. Okay, um, so in closing, um, any final thoughts on finance or sales and trading that you might have had? Maybe things that have come up over the past year and a half of working in this? I think it's a really great dynamic place to start off career because I think there's a lot of people that say that training is not really a kind of job that you can come back in your like 30 or your 40s because you just don't have the energy to keep up with how dynamic this is, right? Which I can see why because this job can be quite draining on a day-to-day basis. There's a lot of things happening. You're supposed to be multitasking. And as... As scary as that sounds, it's just so exhilarating at the same time. And I think for myself to be able to start off here is a really good opportunity to meet a lot of people, get a lot of learning exposure, speak with a lot of like different types of clients and customers from all, all types of background. Like it's an excellent exposure as a junior in a very dynamic role, which is what I really appreciate. But at the same time, this job has and will always be demanding and require some sort of ability to handle stress. And I don't think markets ultimately is a job for everyone. There are certain cases or incidents that I heard of people who joined during COVID times and they never interned at a trading floor before got a huge culture shock when they started full time. And I can understand why because I think it is a very different culture on theirs. People kind of expect like when people give you a word here, there isn't a deadline because the expectation is ASAP. <laughs> like they will never tell you get me this work done by you know next week or the week after. It's always that just send you whenever you can and that's like five, ten minutes time. So yeah, you have to you have to learn how to work under this like demands, manage your time. It is not for everybody, but if you're able to handle it and you like to work in this kind of environment, I think it can be quite gratifying and you can have a lot of like self-satisfaction from it. So if this is something that you think suits your character or something that you want to something that you see yourself putting up the challenge for, then I think just try an internship at Sales and Training. Like I would say like as I mentioned earlier, as internship, you're not getting like what a full time, what a full timer is doing, but having a sense of what you of what they are doing and being on the floor itself, I think it's a very good enough experience, and that's probably where you can see better whether this job is for you or you will prefer to do something else. Very cool. Um, questions that I always ask all these old people like us. <laughs> Uh, any wisdom that you have for our young people out there? Any regrets that you carry from uni? <laughs> Anything you wish you knew? Doesn't have to be finance related. Uh, whatever it is. Play hard. <laughs> but at the same time, work hard. I think for myself, I wish I tried more internship outside of finance. Uh, like, Finance is a really niche sector, which I think if you think about exit opportunities, you probably just move around to different roles, like from sell side to a buy side in finance, or from one bank to another bank. People hardly move out of finance because it is quite niche as an industry. Like, I mean, if I move to like another corporate job, they probably is not going to give any shit about what FOMC said that day, right? Like, <laughs> it's the technical aspect of like the technical jargons and like the market knowledge of finance can be very niche. Maybe it might be good for your own like personal investing at some point down the road. But as a career switch, not really. So I think before getting yourself dive right into this this finance do double into other industry and see what, what else is there to offer you as well. Uh, I think there's definitely a lot of like things that corporate jobs might encompass you. Like I have friends who work in like SMEs, but they have a lot more responsibilities. Like they may be doing marketing role, but effectively they are like running like sales, doing like business development at the same time. So those kind of job can be very satisfying in their own way, right? Like versus being like a junior sales in a big bank, you're 
your role and your identity is very much streamlined, right? It's like, this is what you're supposed to do and this is what you have to do. You don't really get to like dabble too much into like, oh, what's the future for this bank? It's too far-fetched. So it depends on whether, you know, you want to be this small fish in a big pond or like a big fish in a small pond kind of concept, I think. But but yeah, I, I think if you have the chance to work in some other industry and see how it works, and if you don't like that, you still want to go to finance, then I think why not, right? Yeah, but definitely have fun, enjoy. Once you start work, I think it's completely different. <laughs> you don't have that leisure. Like, you know, you know, in university, you have like free time after classes, in between classes, you can do a lot of stuff. And you just enjoy those times because once you start work, it's like never ending. Like, you do go on breaks, like, and it's good to have financial freedom, but. <laughs> but you don't have that time, you know, to spend on things. Yeah, so I think being able to, I think right now in uni, the most important thing is really explore as much thing as you can, make a lot of friends, you know, have the best time of your life, but at the same time, do work hard because you definitely want to end up in a good internship, in a good job at the end of the day, right? It's just the main reason why most of us study hard or go to university in the first place, but I think ultimately leave a family for yourself to stay, like go for exchange, join the CCA. And I think these families are meant to stay a lot longer. Yeah, even the point you're working. And it's actually really important because when you go for interviews, right, these are the stuff that you do like outside of studying, really differentiate you and other students. And this might be something that they look out for as well. Yeah. And yeah, just work hard, study hard and you know, just take it through life. Everything will work out in the end, really. <laughs> so be a very complete human being and things will fall into place. No, I, I think oh, ultimately, yeah. if you work hard, mm. you will definitely go far in life. Like, yeah. I, I never really understood it from the start, but as I grew older, <laughs> like, I'm really quite old. She's younger <laughs> than me, by the way. So, like, that kind of hurts. <laughs> like, I think people did tell me that, like, at the end of the day, if you do something you're passionate in and you're good at, you would definitely go a lot further in life than to do like a job that you're not passionate in and you're just like scraping by. Because like there are people who we work in a small firm, but they are so good at what they're doing and they're so passionate. They come, they climb all the way up the ladder, corporate ladder. They can be more successful than you in like 10 years time, even though like I may be starting off in finance, a high paying job, look like I have a glamorous life. But if I'm just like baby scraping by every single day, in 10 years time, you cannot beat someone who's passionate about their job and good at what they're doing. So I think no matter finance or non-finance, just find something that you're passionate in and something that you're probably good at as well. And if both aligns, I think you'll probably go really, really far in your life. So I think that's the most important thing. Okay. So passion and hard work, like what you said earlier. Exactly. I think that's, right? that's, yeah. that's the most important thing. But of course, it's hard to figure out what yeah. you're passionate about. So yeah. that's why university exposure is really important. That, you know, this is the best chance to experience as much things as you have without being faulted. Mm. I think that's the most important part. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Okay. Um, so you mentioned just now, people talking about Ray Dalio, talking about whatever. The last question, I'm going to make this a tradition going forward. What's just one idea that you've come across recently that you want to share? One idea is like life principle? Or... Anything, anything, whatever. Can be funny, can be stupid, can be really <laughs> profound. <laughs> I don't, I don't have any like fancy quote on my head. No, 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 doesn't be fancy. Really, really, like whatever it is. I think one thing that I learned recently is that. Oh my god! I'm really sounding really old giving such advice, but yeah, I'll go first. <laughs> okay, sure, sure, okay, sure. So recently, I learned that when you flush your toilet. After you take a poop, like the shit particles fly out. Yeah, you're supposed to close the, like yeah, the toilet yeah, 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 yeah. You don't, so, you don't do that. So for okay, so the thing is, <laughs> don't laugh. So the thing is, for twenty five years, I haven't been doing that, and I've been fine. Right, so it's not it can't be that important. <laughs> like the idea of it is okay. So to complete my sentence, when you flush, right, the shit particles go everywhere, including your toothbrush. Yeah. And the thought of it is very gross. Yes. But I've been fine. So it can't be that bad. Okay, so that was what I learned recently. I, I wish I didn't learn it, but I did. 
Um, okay, go. So now I hope you are actually close to Tyler Volkov. The Tyler soon. Oh, and Tyler. Your turn. I didn't know this is meant to be so random. I thought it's going no, to be like maybe anything doesn't have no, no, no. or something it could like be, that. It could be, but it's a bit boring. We've spent an hour talking about it, so. Oh my god, we spent an hour? Yeah, pretty mad. Right. <laughs> I will be a bit baggy. Uh, I think some people, different people just have different pace in life. Some people go a lot faster at the start, some people go a little bit slower. But don't be too disheartened because everyone just take their own pace at their own life. Like, there was one point where I was really tired and jaded of work and when I traveled, I realized that, you know, everything you're doing here is so minute compared to like how vast and how big the world is. And to be honest, I wouldn't mind like retiring as a as a farmer in the countryside and just live there by myself, you know. Like I don't have to have this fancy job and have this glamorous life or whatsoever, right? Like at the end of the day, happiness does not necessarily come from material stuff. And just take your own pace and doing everything you want and most importantly be happy, but happiness is self-defined. So find your definition of happiness and live your own life. I think I prefer my friend. But it was, it was, it was really good. It was really good. Okay, uh, thanks so much for your time, Jane. Yeah, no Jane, problem. Right? Yeah, this has been great. I will record a separate outro. I'm sure. Boom, and we're done. Clap, clap. And unfortunately, that's all we have for today's episode. Thanks so much again for taking the time and tuning in. We hope it's been value-adding, it's been insightful, and that you've walked away just a little bit more enlightened than you were at the start of this episode. If you found this useful, pay it forward and send it to a friend who you think will like it. Follow us on whatever platform you're streaming from and give us an honest rating. Lastly, shout out to Jane for taking the time to sit down and have such a nice chat with us. And we hope you're looking forward as we aim to bring you more and better content. Peace out.